everyone. Welcome back to Personalization Outbreak Podcast. Today, our guest is Jesus Mantas. Now, I can tell you that he has a very large responsibility in IBM's consulting practice globally. And he does. In fact, he sits on the board of Biogen and is a big, big, big advocate for bringing more Hispanic representation into the technology industry. But what I really want to tell you is that Jesus Montas is a friend. We've known each other for, I think we go back at least a good 15 years. Now I remember him when we both lived in Irvine, California, uh, his lovely wife, Christina, and my wife, Annette. We'd enjoy dinner together and talk about the future. So to think that Jesus is where he is at today in his career doesn't surprise me one bit. Now, before we get started, make sure to click the like button below, share it with your colleagues, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and social media at Glenn Yopis. Let's get started. You are listening to Personalization Outbreak, a podcast about the collapse of traditional corporate standards in today's more personalized world. I'm Glenn Yopis. I'm a leadership strategist, author, contributor to Forbes, and founder of the Leadership in the Age of Personalization movement. On this show, I'm interviewing executives across multiple sectors to find out how the balance between standardization and personalization can exist. Jesus, it's great to see you, my friend, and thank you for taking the time to join us on the podcast today. Absolutely. And it's it's amazing. Both of our journeys are quite remarkable. So I'm thrilled to be here with you, Glenn. Well, thank you, Jesus. Look, I know that inclusive leadership's funny, right? That topic I don't even think existed when we first met. But here we are. The cultural demographic shift has reached a powerful tipping point. In fact, I actually think, Jesus, that what we're all experiencing right now is a massive reverse assimilation meaning that we're all trying to reclaim the identities that maybe were taken away from us at certain parts of our careers as people from the Hispanic community. But now uh, there's a new narrative. And that narrative is that we're all in survival, renewal, and reinvention mode. And I don't think the way that you were raised or I was raised um, certainly didn't hurt us because it's helped us navigate these changing waters. So, Jesus, how do you think your culture Viniendo de España, te ha, tú sabes. How did it prepare you for these for these really unusual times? I think uh, if there is something that our culture gives us as a gift, and I don't think we realize until we use it, is we have what I call hyper empathy. Uh, we understand people, and we have this desire to be with people, to celebrate with people. Um, to help people. Uh, I think that, that the Hispanic culture and the Latino culture is, is a culture of, of helping others, of celebrating with others, of being with others. And uh, that is an incredible hard thing to teach, uh, but it's an essential component of being a great leader. So I, I think over time, uh, as, I, as I came to this country, and you and I have talked a lot about that, of my journey here, my journey of coming from a country where I was the majority. So I, I, I had no concept of inclusiveness or lack of it because everybody was like me. But then I come to the United States and I start being evaluated in a very different set of terms because of how I speak or how I look or how I don't look or how I don't behave. Um, 
I think that empathy and that being authentic, which tends to be natural uh, for people like you and I, uh, and it's not exclusive, by the way, of, of our culture, right? There is there's everybody else. But I think that has that has been very helpful. I mean, for the most part, people that know me, they know me as Jesus, uh, or so, some people call me Jesus. But, you know, either way, you know, they still refer to me. They know me as a person. They kind of don't confuse the role with the person. And uh, it has been very helpful in, especially at times when you have, when people have to trust you, when people have to believe you. And, make a leap with you to to do things uh in my view is is a is a core element of our culture that i um i have been advantage for yeah you know you know it's interesting jesus because i'm sure when you came to the united states it you may have at some level felt this pressure you know to assimilate and i can remember how when i was i was raised by my my parents uh, both cuban immigrants and you know, I remember I came home one day from, from my first, uh, actually it was my second job, but it was my big job. I was a senior executive at, at 24 years old at Sunkist. And I can never forget, how I was told, well, before I got to that role, I was still on the way up. They said, hey, you've got to tone down your passion. And my dad, I was living with my parents at the time, and my dad said to me, son, you're going to double down on passion. I go, what are you talking about, dad? They just told me to settle it down. They go, See, but they didn't know what they were actually asking you to do. See, they just looked at you as being a disruptor to their playbook. Your job is to help create the new one. So go out there and double down on your passion because in the end, people just want results. But what they'll do is respect you more for creating new layers and dimensions to how we get there. Sound familiar, Jesus? Very familiar. No, I was laughing because um, last year I was in an event with uh, Lee Manuel Miranda, and he had similar experiences. And he said the same thing. He said, "Don't, don't tone down your Latinidad. Your Latinidad is your superpower. You need to adapt. You know, kind of like make it, make it match the context, make it match the situation, but don't suppress it. It becomes." your superpower and he clearly have been very successful with his latinidad so i was i was remembering that comment that yeah is is um unfortunately there was this period where there was a lot of what what uh i think diversity professionals call it covering which is the parents didn't want the kids to sound hispanic so they didn't want to teach them uh spanish they didn't want them to they wanted them to blend you know, it to 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 assimilate if you want, because they wanted a better. They they didn't want their kids to experience, if you want, what they were experiencing because they sound different or look different. And I I have a lot of friends that they're they're Hispanic and Latino origin that can barely speak Spanish and they feel so disadvantaged now. They said, you know, how unfortunate it was that they were raised at a time where that was the defense mechanism of the community exactly. for them to just fit in, right? Well, little did, little did they realize that um, this has now happened to everybody. Now. I mean, now we live at a time where it's no longer about the institution defining the individual, but the other way around. Uh, and so now we're learning that those that did assimilate uh, lost their identity too. 
And so there's a massive identity crisis. I mean, first it was about the, you know, those from culturally diverse backgrounds that that had a tough time navigating the standards of a large institution. And now we're finding the very people that uh, created those standards, uh, they didn't always get to where they wanted to go. So guess what? By default, we now have equality, meaning that we have, we're all challenged with this identity crisis. So, Jesus, how would you recommend, given, again, we could just roll with this. We're putting so much emphasis on the individual right now. But one can make the argument that we need to pay more attention to the environment. So where does one start? Individual, environment, or both? I don't think you can effectively... It's not very effective to change things if you only focus on an individual. And uh, I think most behavioral scientists and behavioral economists um, uh, teach us that the environment is at least 50% of the performance of an individual. And by the way, it translates into every area of life. Um, In healthcare, uh, you would assume that your genetic is the main conditioning that says, well, you're going to have certain sickness or all of that. But the fact of the matter is the studies say genetics is only 40%. The environment, your lifestyle, what you eat, where you go, how you sleep is 60% of your health. So imagine if that is for something as like physical as your body, when you really look at organizations, um, my belief and most of the studies say that the environment is at least 50% of performance. So if you only address the individual, you're at best, at best, just only addressing half of the problem. So most of the effective uh, mechanisms that I have seen involve both. Um, Most people, when you really analyze how they behave, they behave, obviously they have a, a set of values, but habits is the main thing that kind of forms uh, what they become, even more than aspirations. And those habits are heavily conditioned by your environment and by who your management is, right? So if your management values certain things, you adopt those habits because you want to get ahead. If your management doesn't, then you adopt different habits. So I think to start um, creating more inclusive environments uh, and include and people that thrive in those environments, you have to attack both. You have to attack the person, their management team, and the environment that they want. So I'm going to share a quick story, just very quick, Jesus. I'd love for you to react to it. Um, you know, so the work that, that my organization does is, is helping you know, design leadership strategies uh, to help not just um, get leaders back on track with reality, but also uh, create an environment that's not just more inclusive, but just much more nimble, not, such, not, not to the level of rigidity that they've operated for so long. What do you tell an individual who's ready to unleash themselves, right? really bring who they are to work, but this brick wall of the environment hits them hard? What would you tell them so they don't lose faith in the opportunities that are still right in front of them? I actually, I had a conversation exactly like that this Saturday. So one of the 
habits I do is I blog three hours every Saturday to have mentoring discussions with people. And I think is is a way that is very predictable. And I had a discussion exactly like this with, with one of my mentees. And the advice I, I gave that person, uh, the, the advice that I gave her is use your superpower empathy to understand the system. Most people, um, most people do what's easy more often than they will do what's right. And uh, especially on diversity topics, it's not like people, very, very few occasions, people intend to discriminate. People don't want to discriminate, but they just don't know that in the way they're behaving or the, the system they're constructing or the way they're making decisions had some embedded biases that even they don't know they're bringing to the equation. So, but that's something you can work with. So then you can, once you understand that, if you want systemic view of the environment and the situation, then you can work with that and you can help those people say, hey, listen, I, for example, I, I have an objection, I have an objective to um, promote on the company. Let's make a list of the top three things that I'm doing really well aligned with that goal and the top three things that they're gaps. And let's agree that we're jointly going to work on the three things that they're got. And, you know, we both agree that we have these three things that I'm really very good at. If you work with your management with that environment to then work on those three things and then consistently you make progress on that, the easiest thing for those people will be to promote you. The easiest thing for those people would be to say, wow, this is like, you know, great progress, right? So create an environment where the easiest thing for them to do is actually promote inclusiveness, promote diversity. People will do what's easy more often that they will do what's right. And very, very few times people intentionally discriminate and they don't have the intention. They're not evil. They're not trying to do any of that. So that is something that we can work with. Now, I like that, Jesus. And, you know, I've often said, and you said it too very well, is that leaders unknowingly are creating barriers. Uh, I don't believe it's intentional. In fact, I've come to become more, much more empathetic towards leaders that haven't been faced with uh, a situation today where the individual um, has more influence than ever before. I mean, a lot of leaders have shared with me, Glenn, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. That's not how I was taught about how to lead. Um, but, you know, I always tell them you have to see the opportunities in everything. Um, and you can't, you know, you got to open your mind to this, this level of difference that you've never encountered before, because it's not, don't always make the assumption that you have all the answers. And oftentimes it's the other way around, but uh, given the set of knowledge and experiences that you bring uh, Jesus, what do you think, uh, what's some wisdom that you can share with uh, some of your executive, senior executive peers um, in large institutions on how they're really, they have a responsibility to make the environment um, more available uh, for, for difference? I think there is a couple of things that have worked. The first one is I try to make it very um, tangible and understandable by them how some of these um, uh, embedded biases work. And, and there is one embedded bias that is very common, especially in the United States, which is people confuse 
uh, language skills with intelligence. Mm. And that means if your English is not good, you must not be very intelligent. Now, that creates an immediate you know, handicap for people whose English is a second language. Now, some of those people could speak eight languages and have an IQ that defies gravity, but the perception is, oh, your English is not very good, therefore, you know, maybe you're not that good. And it's, it's a very insidious perception, right? And um, so, so I bring this up and I, I use ways to gamify in a way that we make it fun. I recorded um, a video, a conversation where every other question that was being asked to me was either English and Spanish, and I had to answer in the opposite language. And I can tell you it's one of the hardest thing I've done in my life. And I, I appeared like I was an absolute like bubbling. I didn't know what I was saying. So everybody that knows me is like, okay, well, it's not that Jesus doesn't know what he was saying, but that must be really hard to just illustrate the point that we shouldn't confuse people whose English is not perfect with their ability to do amazing things. So that, in a way, it it it, it democratizes this thing. It's like, oh, wow, we, we didn't know that we were making those assumptions, right? And I think the other one then is... Um, I mean, most great leaders understand this point that um, your success or failure as a leader should translate in putting people in positions that they can succeed. And if they're not in positions that they're, if they're not in those positions where they can succeed, it is your job as a leader to change that, to either help them succeed or change them from the position that you are. But the status quo as a leader is it may be the nice thing to do, but it's not the kind thing to do. It's not the right thing to do for those people. In the long term, you harm them more if you keep people in a situation that that they're unable to succeed. So then, you know, you kind of like flip that equation and saying, well, great, you know, for all of us as leaders, it is our responsibility that the people in our teams do very well. And then all of us uh, are actually very focused on having diverse teams. That puts the emphasis on you to learn how diverse people are actually going to be better and how the environment is going to impact them. And then you as a leader, either you have to change the environment or you have to change the people. I think that um, taking accountability as a leader, that the definition of success uh, that that the success or failure of everybody in your team is a consequence of your leadership. And you as a leader have to change that environment to make sure that you maximize the number of people that are succeeding. I think it's a powerful idea. You know, it's interesting, Jesus. I just had this conversation <laughs> this morning, actually, um, in that if you look at the composition of of senior leadership teams in this environment, I don't think we take enough time to understand how an individual actually sees and knows their own risk profile. And it's interesting because as I'm as I continue to experience this, as I did this morning, um, there's a lot of friction beyond just the topics that are being discussed. It's because we all have different risk profiles. And, you know, we're living a time now, especially, again, with the influence of individuals where we just have to feel safe just letting go. I mean, we don't have all the answers. I mean, the need to be more inclusive is just common sense now. And it's interesting, you had mentioned about language, right? I mean, look, I, I may be fluent in Spanish, but sometimes my tenses go 
go go the wrong way. And uh, I remember just just being in different Latin American countries, very forgiving in Spain, very forgiving. They're just grateful that you're making an effort. See the point? Just think if we were more grateful rather than judgmental. Yeah. So Jesus, as we kind of wrap it up, and I really enjoy the conversation, and you know, I want to make sure everybody knows that when we planned for this, uh, you decided, or you clearly said, hey, let's just keep it chill. And I'm glad that we have, because this is the way these conversations should be. The objective is to get greater awareness, more understanding, and then take one, at least one tangible thing with you when this discussion's done. What is that one thing about inclusive leadership that you want to leave with our audience, Jesus? I think it's the topic of the environment has as much to do with success as the individual. So while the easy thing to do is just to address individual gaps, um, think of the fact that there are many cases where someone that is a low performer in an environment goes to another environment and becomes a rock star. And therefore, it's not the individual, but it was the environment that created the low likelihood for great individuals to succeed. So I would say as leaders trying to create an inclusive leadership, just keep remembering that it's not about getting better people. Everybody gets an equal proportionate amount of like, you know, intelligent people in every team. So the environment is the one thing that is going to make the biggest difference. So with that, I'll leave five questions in support of your closing. So given what Jesus has said for leaders that are listening right now, who do you let in in your decision-making, in meetings, et cetera? How do you see those you let in? Who do you let them be? What do you let them do? And how do you let them do it? Remember, we live at a time where all this great diversity is creating an opportunity for people to not, to not feel unwelcomed anymore, but to feel as if they can add value to the world. Let's start, let's start looking at people as individuals who can thrive if we give them the right environment to do so. Jesus, I'm honored to be your friend. You're a good human being. My best to Christina, and thank you so much for being on the show today. It was super fun, Glenn, and hopefully uh, I'll see you in person soon. Sounds really good. And as we close every show, when you lead in the age of personalization, you will see things that others don't. Do what others won't. And keep pushing when prudence says quit. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks for listening to Personalization Outbreak. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. If you enjoyed the content, Visit ageofpersonalization.com to check out our free streaming video series and learn how to get involved in the movement. I'm Glenn Yopis. I wish you a good day. And remember, without strategy, change is merely substitution, not evolution.